Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I want to talk about what it means to pray for the laborers and not the harvest. (laughs) Pray for the laborers and not the harvest. You know, you hear a lot of prayer and prophecies when it comes to the harvest. You hear things that if we if we pray hard enough, the harvest might come into the kingdom, and by that we mean come into your church, and you'll increase your numbers, and the harvest is coming, and we call them in from the north, south, east, and west. Is there anything really inherently wrong with praying for the harvest? No, of course not. We need to pray for people. There's power in that, but what we have done is we have exchanged the labor of the ministry for simply praying for the harvest. And by that I mean we'll pray for God to go and get the harvest and do for us what he has actually called us to do. Wrap your mind around that. And we'll make all kinds of decrees, we'll give prophecies that one day they're coming. And and we've prayed that way for decades. Your parents prayed that way, their parents prayed that way. And we're always waiting for this kind of mysterious harvest to, to come, to, to get saved. Uh, sort of like the, the unicorn that you just can't quite capture. And you'll hear even rumors of prophetic words like when this particular football team wins uh, the, the Super Bowl, then the billion soul harvest will start. And, and it all should sit kind of a, a little strange for you. And most, if not all, of these prophecies come and go, and we don't quite see the, the harvest that we're talking about. Well, there's a reason for that. If we go into Scripture, you'll see very clearly what the Lord Jesus thought and said about this and the way by which God actually goes and gets the harvest. Did you know, and and this scripture is so easily forgotten, but John chapter 4 and verse 35 says, and this is Jesus speaking, do you not say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, <laughs> this is sort of Jesus's way of saying, you guys say this or don't say that. But you guys say this, but behold, I say to you, and that's important. This is the Son of God talking now. You guys predict the the harvest is in four months, and and it's going to happen then, and oh, it's coming, and, and did you hear the prophetic word? The harvest will come in, but Jesus says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Open your eyes. You're not seeing it. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Look to where the people are, for they are already white for harvest. Meaning, the heads of grain and everything is at full full bloom. It's already ripe, ready for harvest. Now, this is fascinating. When it says already white for harvest, it means it's harvest time. It means that we don't have to confine and restrict reaching people and reaching this harvest that God wants us to reach. We don't have to confine it to a movement, a man or woman, a moment, a season, something always coming, but but not yet. Jesus makes it clear that the harvest is already ripe. 
And now I want to also read to you Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38, to give a little more, uh, to open this door a little more, and hopefully it can change your, your thinking, and you can begin to activate what is already inside you to reach those people out there. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, so when he saw the harvest, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, and that's also an important key for us, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Think about this. Jesus, the greatest shepherd that ever walked the earth, is moved because the people seem to be like sheep with no shepherd, even though Jesus is standing there. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He actually says that, that the harvest actually outweighs, is greater in quantity than the amount of labors there are. Why does he use the word laborers? It's really important because there's some work that needs to be done to go get a very ripe harvest. He says the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Here's where he brings prayer into it. Pray the Lord of the harvest, which is Holy Spirit, by the way. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Therefore, we can say God's methodology by how he reaches people, how he reaches the harvest, is not just prayer, not just prophecies, not just waiting, not who wins the Super Bowl per se, but it has everything to do with laborers being sent somewhere, laborers being released into God's harvest. We see that that's God's strategy of reaching the harvest, is to send laborers right where they are, beyond the four walls of the church. Now, now that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But the way by which we, the church, and especially the charismatic church, has have gone about stewarding the harvest, is we will open our eyes, we'll see the harvest is white and ripe and ready, and it's sort of like a farmer who goes into the field, plants seed, and then one morning he wakes up and he, he looks out the window and he sees that the harvest is ripe. And then imagine he grabs his wife by the hand and they get down on their knees and they begin to pray and prophesy and intercede that one day that harvest that's right outside their door will, will grow legs and supernaturally come into the, to the barn. Just imagine a farmer prophesying. I call in the pumpkins from the north, the seas, the east, the west, the west, the south. I call them into the barn. And no, that's not what the farmer does. He springs into action because the harvest is ripe and he sends laborers into the field to go and get the harvest. He sends his sons. If he doesn't have uh, uh, sons. He trains laborers. He equips laborers to go out into the harvest where the people are. In context for us here, we're talking about the local church. Imagine now an entire building, buildings filled with potential laborers, and we are sitting there listening to sermon after sermon, or we're gathering together and begging God to come down and go and get the harvest. Or we're using flashy social media and updating our website, which is all good, by the way. But just to somehow attract the harvest, 
when they are right outside our door. This is so fascinating. And for ourselves as pastors, our role as five-fold leaders, if you're a pastor uh, leading a church, you're a five-fold leader, uh, the office of pastor, it's actually your job to not confine ministry to what happens from the pulpit to the, to the chair, but you must see, we must see, the people that gather in our congregations like little shepherds. We, the fivefold office, are equipping these gifted ones to be gifted in pastoring and shepherding and leading and laboring out in their particular spheres where we, the pastors, can't go. Can you imagine all week long, 98% of the time, those laborers that are sitting in there on a Sunday are out there somewhere else surrounded by the harvest. I mean, this is mind-boggling that 98% of the time, these laborers are out there where the harvest is, and we, the pastor, 98% of the time are in the church. <laughs> and so it's our job to equip, to train, and to show our people that the work of the ministry is not necessarily what's preached inside the building, but the work of the ministry is done through laborers. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. This is the real work of the ministry in reaching people that are out there to reach God's harvest. So my job is about helping as a pastor or apostle. My job is about equipping our people, helping them to understand that they are the ministers. Helping them to understand that ministry isn't just what happens in the building once a week, twice a week, multiple services. Ministry isn't just what happens at the conference, but ministry is about you, the congregation, going as laborers and reaching the harvest right where they are. It's not so much about us ministering to God, reaching God's heart with our hearts, but it's about reaching their hearts, the people's hearts, with God's heart. This is what it is to reach the lost. Now, when we talk about pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, you're probably very familiar with this term that almost was a buzzword a number of years ago, which was ekbalo, E-K-B-A-L-L-O, ekbalo, which is the Greek word for send out there. In fact, ekbalo, you can hear the word balo or bellow in there. It's where we get the English word to bellow out or to shout out. It's, it's quite, a, quite a dramatic word, actually. It's actually also the word used when talking about casting out a demon. Around the same passage there, it talks about Jesus giving authority to the disciples, these laborers that are going out, to cast out demons, to send out, to bellow demons. When you do a study on this word, you find out it's a dramatic word, it's a radical word, and if you've ever seen a demon sent out or cast out of someone, you find out it's maybe even a bit of a violent word. And if you do a really deep study on this, you'll find that almost everywhere in the New Testament that ekbalo is used, uh, it's just as dramatic and even got a negative connotation to it. Casting the, you know, the angels into hellfire. Casting people into outer darkness. And, and you, you, it begs the question, of all the words God could use for sending laborers out into the harvest, why would he use something so dramatic? And, and all of us can probably tell 
our own Ekbalo story of how God got us where he needed us to go. And it was, it's usually negative, uh, disruptive, uncomfortable, <laughs> and therein lies the key. But Ekbalo is a word, a fascinating word that is dramatic and, and a bit wild. Why does God use that word there? You'd think he'd say something like, he pastors me into a promotion at my work. He sends me to the mission field with more money than I've ever had before. And the road was just easy. It's like waters of rest, going out and doing ministry. No, we all know that it's not always like that. <laughs> Ekbalo, if you really look into that word, and here's the key, you find out that Ekbalo is a word that's used to describe the sending of someone somewhere they are resistant to go. The sending of someone somewhere, they are reluctant to go. It's not their first choice of where they would want to do ministry. It's not necessarily the kind of people they would want to reach. And the process of getting people out into the harvest, the highways and byways and, and all of that, often is accompanied by deep thorns in the side. Stories that brought of people brought to humility and, and brokenness to reach people. And we, we know that in the economy of God, brokenness is key to accessing apostolic grace, the sending grace needed to actually go out and, and reach people. And so when we talk about pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, our prayers are not actually to be aimed at bringing the harvest into our church. These aren't wrong prayers, it's not sin, but actually our prayers should be aimed at bringing the church out into the harvest. God, do whatever you have to do to shake up my life, to get me where you need me to go to reach the harvest, because you weep over the harvest. You're concerned about the harvest. You see them as, as sheep, dispirited, without a shepherd. Make Let me be your shepherd. Release more shepherds from from the church out to where people are. You see, the people are the laborers, and we get comfortable coming to church and sitting almost white-knuckled at the thought that God would want to send us into society as change agents. And the devil likes to make it just that uncomfortable. The devil likes to scare us into going out to where, where the wolves are. But in actual reality, God will prepare you. It's our role as pastors and leaders to equip our people to be well prepared, to go out into darkness and to bring the light, to be sent out. And so the local church actually can become a place, a factory of laborers, a factory that trains and equips and prepares pastors, laborers, maybe not the, the nominal office of pastor or, or where you needed to go to Bible college or something like that, but somebody that will shepherd and reach people with God's heart in the business sector, in education, in athletics, at Walmart, at McDonald's, in the boardroom, wherever it is, when you walk in there as a believer, you now have the opportunity to extend the great shepherd, the Lord Jesus, his heart to those people around you. And this takes labor. We tend to restrict our labor to the labor of prayer the labor of intercession, the labor of gathering and doing prophetic acts to somehow get God to come down and deal with the harvest. It's all vanity and futility if we don't actually put on our boots and get out where they are 
as real laborers bringing in the harvest. He says that the harvest is ripe. <coughs> he says that these people are waiting to hear this message. And it was also demonstrated by Jesus when he met the woman at the well. One woman had five husbands, Jesus said. And she was so touched by this encounter with him that it says that she went into the city and it says that she was testifying about her encounter with Jesus. Hello, this is what we're to do. She was testifying out of her encounter. And maybe that's one of the problems is it's been so long since you've had an encounter with Jesus You've got nothing much to say to the harvest that's out there. But she goes into the harvest and she testifies about her encounter with Jesus. And the scripture says that the whole city was coming out to meet him. I can just picture the Lord Jesus seeing a city coming out to meet him, like the heads of grain. And it was actually at this point when he said the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready, the sea of people, and they're all around us. That's why I love uh, in John chapter 4, where he says to open your eyes, to lift up your eyes. It means that our heads are down, introspective, focused on the wrong things. Jesus says, open your eyes and see, begin to see the harvest is all around you and it's actually ripe right now. I remember when I had a revelation of this. It changed how I prayed. It changed what we did at prayer meetings. It wasn't so much about now begging and screaming at God and working every prophetic act we could to somehow wake up a sleeping God that would come down and reach people in our city. We now understood that we were the laborers. We were the ones who needed to be discipled and equipped and ekbalod. We needed to be sent. But it wasn't always that way for me. I remember when a young lady who had this this message. She had this revelation, and I had begun to teach on it, although my heart was still that of your typical pastor, resistant to letting people go, thinking that Christianity was all about coming and sitting, listening to the sermon, and make sure you come back next week. And she came and she said, Pastor, I've raised up some leaders to take over my cell groups because I feel God is calling me into the marketplace. I really struggled with this. Because whether a pastor will tell you or not, most of them, their primary concern is church growth, numbers, finances, and making things look good while they're doing it. And a smaller percentage are just building their own kingdoms. So it's not in their best interest for you to go anywhere. <laughs> so at that time, I was kind of like Pharaoh, you know, not wanting to let the people go, even though I was preaching this message. Well, now I had to put my money where my mouth is. And uh, we turned her cell groups over to the leaders she had raised up. She was responsible in the church. And we prayed for her and sent her. Well, it wasn't long before <clears throat> she got a job at Chapters Bookstore, one of her favorite places. And pretty soon, because she, we, we were praying for these laborers to be sent out, she got a promotion at her job and she became manager, which meant she had more authority uh, leading that group. She almost became sort of like a pastor on site, if you think about it. And one of the things she began to do was to cultivate the atmosphere of heaven at her workplace. So in Chapters Bookstore, this is a massive bookstore chain throughout North America, if you don't know, she would play worship music, but instrumental music. She would play worship music over the speakers 
when she would work there. <clears throat> well, this brought the atmosphere that she's normally used to having in church. This brought the heavenly atmosphere right into the bookstore. And not only did she do that, she began to uh, live out principles of the kingdom, holy lifestyle, righteous lifestyle, kindness, honesty, care, love. She even made a, a no swearing rule that any of the workers that were working under her on her shift, if they cursed or swore, they had to put a quarter or a dollar in a jar. And that uh, became kind of this fun thing that they, they did together. And you can imagine that her influence began to spread right there in chapters. I, as her pastor, couldn't go there, but she's there. And she's there 98% of the time, only 2% on Sunday morning at church. Makes sense, doesn't it? And so before long, the presence of God in her life and the sonship of Jesus that she had developed started to attract people to speak to her, started to attract her co-workers to to vent and to open up about situations happening in their lives. And uh, it began that she started to actually kind of counsel these people and give wisdom to them and care for them. And she would take some of her, her workers into the back office there and counsel them right on her shift. And she really became like a real laborer, a real pastor in the field right there in Chapter's bookstore. Well, you can guess what happened. Eventually, one by one, they began to give their lives to Jesus. And not only did they give their lives to Christ, she brought them to church. One by one, they started coming with her. These heads of wheat began to make their way into the barn, into the church. <laughs> and they began to volunteer and they got involved in ushering and all of that. And I thought, wow, this is a church growth strategy. I sowed one daughter into the harvest, and I got 10, 15 back. And I began to understand it's more blessed to give than to receive. I began to understand the methodology of Jesus about equipping and sending laborers to really reach the harvest. And so now I'm, I'm less deceived by the flashing lights, the, the concert vibe, and all of the lengths we go to with our energy, our human resource, and our finances, trying to get 10 more people into the building that came over from that church. And I began to understand it's a futile journey. And that really, the call of God on our lives as pastors and leaders and people is to reach his harvest. And to do so, we've got to get out there. And so this revolutionized my view of the local church. And I see it now as a beacon of light a factory, a glory, that you can take baby Christians and grow them, disciple them, equip them, and turn them into mature sons and daughters for sending back out, populating the harvest with laborers and reaching people. This is what it's all about. And so my concern over the last, uh, last number of years has been watching even on social media, when you see the pictures on Instagram or Facebook of Sunday service, you basically are seeing shots of a stage, crowd, sound, lights, singing, guitar, smoke machines. Nothing wrong with all of that. That's all part of making the beautifying the house, providing a great experience for people coming in. Nothing wrong there. But if that's the limit, if that's the goal, if that's the high point, we've missed it completely. 
Pastors will say to me, older pastors, they'll say to me, I've had a big church, we've had what you would consider success, but I come to the end of my life and I think there must be more than that. Have I really made impact? I want to tell you, pastors, you're called to do more than manage a building of sheep. You're called to do more than manage a silo of wheat. You're actually called to take people, bring them into the image and likeness of Christ, awaken them to their calling and purpose and place in society, and ekbello them. And as you kick them out the church to go and reach people, you'll find you'll have no problem with Sunday morning attendance. They'll be right back celebrating the good things God has done through them out there. I hope this blesses you today. I want to encourage you to check out historymakersacademy.com, which is really our our Ekbalo school that awakens people to their calling, purpose, and destiny and equips them with what they need to go out and actually see a, a, a harvest of people saved for his glory. God bless you. Coming up next week, when we get into the genuine apostolic and the ministry of the apostle from a New Testament context, you find out that pyramid is easily flipped over on its head and you get more of an image of a suffering servant. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV.